Do you ever wonder what would happen if, well, if... If you give a dad a podcast. I'm what you call a nerdy fan. I nerd out at this stuff. Hardcore. You'll hear me talk about anime on here. You'll hear me talk about Power Rangers. You'll hear me talk about wrestling on here. Okay. I had an axe handle with a twisted T on it. <laughs> it right after that <laughs> twisted T video went viral. And man, they went out and grabbed it and smacked the dude in the head with it. It was so... That's great. I'd like to thank this podcast as a nostalgia moment for me. It's a show where I can talk about whatever I want. I'm a, I'm a human and I'm a chiropractor. There was a picture of me. It looked like I was on the side of a ramen box over in China. But... So I took my kids with me to Comic-Con. I thought that was really cool. Well, I don't know how I should listen to this podcast. We'll cut that part out. <laughs> like, and then Robert said this. If you give a dad a podcast, available now on all podcasting platforms. Did you ever wonder what could have been with the AWA had things gone differently? Had their fortunes gone differently? Had certain wrestlers not left and perhaps more money would have been at the disposal of the Ganyas? Well, wonder no further. You can go to Brad Drake's YouTube channel and experience the 1987 Supermod for yourself. As Brad Drake starts off in May 1987, along with Greg Ganya, Baron Von Rotschke, Vern Ganya himself, Nick Bockwinkle, Larry Zabisco, Kurt Hennig, and a slew of others as he plays and saves the AWA. Hello everyone, this is Brian Ferguson, the host of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I want to tell you about a new podcast out called Fouls Count Anywhere. It is a classic pro wrestling podcast that brings you the legends of wrestling with true wrestling fans Chris DiCarlo and Charlie Turner. They bring on guests that are legends in this business as well as wrestlers of today, promoters, referees, you name it, they have them on there, folks. And I encourage you to listen to them. If you're on YouTube, watch them. They drop every Saturday. They have their podcast. They drop it in the afternoon. So look forward to that podcast coming out. Falls Count Anywhere podcast with Chris DiCarlo and Charlie Turner. Folks, you will not be disappointed. I guarantee it. And enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson, the host of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. We are on today because of you. And in order to continue the podcast and get the guests on here that require some financial compensation, we're going to need help from people like you. Right now, we're attempting to get our YouTube videos monetized through YouTube. We need 1,000 subscribers in order to do that. So, I have decided that if the 1,000 subscriber... We'll get a free t-shirt like this from me and come on the show as a guest on the podcast. So subscribe today and that 1,000 subscriber will be contacted by me and be given a t-shirt and come on the show. So subscribe today. If you already have, thank you. If you haven't, please do and tell your friends and subscribe today and we'll talk to you soon and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today 
is considered one of the greatest wrestlers from the mid-1980s until the 2000s. He is a multi-time NWA WCW world champion, multi-time NWA WCW world tag team champion, and the longest reigning U.S. heavyweight champion in history. And he's authored a book called Wrestling with the Devil. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Lex Luger. Lex, thanks for coming on today. Hey, Brian. Glad to be here. Thanks for the great intro, man. Wow, you made me sound really good. Well, you were really good and still are, so I appreciate you coming on today. Let's talk a little bit, if we can. Thank uh, you. You bet. Let's talk a little bit about growing up. Uh, what was your upbringing like for you? And uh, where'd you grow up? I had a... I, okay, go ahead. I finished what you were saying. I was just going to say, Lex, uh, just tell us how you grew up and where you grew up at, sir. Okay, I had a great upbringing and beautiful... Buffalo, New York, okay. home of the Buffalo Bills, Go Bills, <laughs> yeah. and um, the uh, love sports, as you can tell, that's Buffalo's a great sports town. We had, at the time when I grew up, we had an NBA team, the Buffalo Braves, we had the Buffalo Sabres, which we still have, and the Bills, so, mm-hmm. man, Buffalo's a huge, blue-collar, great people, they call it the city of good neighbor, it was a, it was just a great place to grow up. Uh, great family, my mom and dad. Uh, mom just passed recently. My dad passed a while back. But uh, just uh, I got a brother and sister, older brother and sister. We uh, we just had a, a great upbringing, uh, great town. I, I just fell in love with sports and started playing all the sports. I ended up being a football player. But uh, just uh, great, great childhood memories growing up in uh, beautiful Buffalo. Awesome. That's great. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, obviously you're very athletic. Uh, you played sports, you said, uh, went to college. Uh, did you go on a football scholarship or did you? Okay. I, I did. I, uh, my parents would are, my parents were all musical. My dad was a virtuoso pianist. Oh, wow. My sister, incredible musician, my brother, my mom's dad played in the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra. He played 12 instruments, all self-taught. Wow. So I was the black sheep of the family wanting to do sports. I had to forge my permission slip to play football my freshman year. My dad didn't even know I was playing football. My dad thought, because why would you want to run into other people? That's like roaming gladiator. Why why would you want to do that rather than play an instrument? So he actually made me do one musical thing in high school. When he found out I was playing, he goes, if you're going to play sports, number one, you got to get eight. Average A's in school. Wow. He said number two, which was good. Uh, number two, you better carry an A average, 90 or better. He goes, number two, he goes, you got to do one musical thing. So I ended up singing in the high school choir. Wow. Man, I used to get, <laughs> get razzed for that for all my football, basketball teammates. Man, they used to put us in robes for the Christmas concerts. Man, <laughs> unbelievable. I actually... Did pretty good at it. I, I can't, my, my voice has changed through the years, but I was actually, I don't tell many people this, Brian, but I was in the sweet 16 Coraliers in high school. Eight guys, eight women. It was like the elite singing group. Wow. Yeah, so I actually ended up doing pretty good with the music thing. Wow. But I just, but I was in love with sports. Yeah. I originally in middle school wanted to be a uh, Olympic decathlon champion. Wow. Oh. 
Uh, then I, I wanted to be an NBA star, and I stopped growing at 6'4". So I go, well, I don't think there's too many 6'4 power forwards in the NBA. Yeah. Although Charles Barkley, he wasn't much taller than me. But anyways, I found out that I was best suited physically for football. Yeah. So um, I uh, ended up going to playing at college at Miami, Florida. I went to Penn State my freshman year. But growing up in Buffalo, which I loved, I, I was wanting to get away from all that cold weather. Yeah. So I went one year at Penn State. I immediately transferred down to Sunshine U. University of Miami, yeah. and uh, that's where I did my college. While I played there a year, got kicked out, which is a whole other story. But, but how did you get kicked out of University of Miami back then? I go, it wasn't easy. <laughs> um, I go, I kind of dragged them to death until they had to get throw me out of there. <laughs> um, then um, I ended up going up to the Canadian Football League early. I was 19 at the time. Okay. Uh, you couldn't play in the NFL yet after I get kicked out of Miami and ended up playing there for almost three seasons. I went to Green Bay for almost two years. Then I went to the USFL, which is back uh, now. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, we, uh, I played for the uh, Tampa Bay Bandits, Coach Spurrier, the ball coach. Mm-hmm. And we used to outdraw the Tampa Bay Bucks in the Tampa. They loved us, the Tampa Bay Bandits back then. Yeah. And then I, Ended up uh, with Memphis Showboats, played with Reggie White. So okay. had a had a pretty colorful seven year career. But in Memphis, every Memphis is a Jerry King of Lawler yeah. wrestling town, right, Brian? Yes, so sir. <laughs> everywhere I went, because I loved working out in the weights, even in the football locker room. I had I had quite the physique by then. I was always breaking all the bench press records, and I loved working out. Trained under a world champion powerlifter. Back in high school, Don Reinhouse. So I loved the gym. Yeah. So football was, I, I was, so I was, even the even in the football locker room had that physique going on already. And they're like, man, wow. like, you should be a wrestler. But everywhere I went in Memphis, they asked me if I was a wrestler. I go, no, I'm, I'm a football player. What are, you, <laughs> what are y'all talking about? And, uh, but that kind of planted the seed. So in the off season, I was living in Florida time for having played for Tampa. Mm-hmm. And, I uh, walked into Championship Wrestling of Florida. They introduced me to Hiro Matsuda, who trained Hogan and broke Hogan's leg. Um, And trained a bunch of the top guys, Mr. Wonderful Pondorf. Hiro Matsuda fell in love with me because I loved working out. He worked out with me, did everything. I was in the ring, like, in the offseason, like, four months later. Oh, wow. made my debut, and the rest is history. It was a 15-year uh, like Fourth of July fireworks, wrestled every top guy. Yeah, I mean, you name it. Four Horsemen, the the Slam heard around the world on uh, with Yokozuna on the Intrepid, Alex Express, Monday Night Wars. Man, all the way from '86 to '01. Wow. Well, yeah, you had an amazing career. I want to talk a little bit about training under Hero. Okay. I heard, you know, I know about the uh, Hulk Hogan leg breaking. Oh, uh, uh, heroes! The heroes legendary for a lot of reasons, but yeah, yeah. He, but you know he did everything with you. He was incredible. Okay. Every push up, every Hindu squat, you had to do like a thousand Hindu squats without stopping before he even take you in the ring. Oh wow! I mean, he turned the air conditioning off down in Tampa. He had a textile factory. <laughs> he had to run five miles in the afternoon and come back and do all your push ups and Hindu squats until you could do a three hundred push ups 
with him doing 30, you doing 30, 10 sets, and then uh, 500 Hindu squats and 500 jump squats took you about an hour and a half, two hours to complete. Wow. And he wouldn't even take you to the ring uh, until you could complete that. And very wow. few guys could ever even complete that. There'd yeah. be him and I would do that. It'd be a puddle, a puddle of sweat yeah. on the floor in that textile. It was probably 120 degrees in there. I mean, like it was unbelievable. Huge wow. puddle of sweat. But what a great guy, trained guys, Brian, just for the intrinsic uh, admiration, appreciation of what he was a judo champion mm-hmm. and knew all the hooks. Stuff yeah. I saw he broke over his leg. Uh, fortunately, he didn't do any of that to me. Uh, he he, admired, he he liked my worth ethic, mm-hmm. and I told him, "Do I have to learn any of those hooks and stuff?" He goes, "No, nah, wrestling's changed." He goes, "You you don't need to know that stuff." And uh, <laughs> but I graduated. He told me I was probably the fastest graduate. Oh wow! From starting the training, not to brag, but I will. There um, you go. <laughs> from starting in the in the in the sweat sweat uh, mill to getting to making my debut as a wrestler he said i was the uh, fastest anybody's ever done it wow about four months yeah wow and we took you in the ring uh, brian he would have you for a whole week just hit the ropes and take return buckles to your whole body your back your sides were completely purple and blue yeah i mean then he'd have you Hit the ropes in that following week and take a, take your own bump, jump as high as you can in the air and take bumps and learn how to take bumps for a whole week. I mean, he had a progression, mm-hmm. old school. And then he'd start whole uh, uh, an arm drag. Uh, you you're the one being arm dragged. Uh, <laughs> how to how to, and then he'd slam you. He'd have you take all the bumps from other guys yeah. for a few weeks, and then he'd start you giving other guys the bumps and how to do it. He had a progression. Yeah. Then he finally took you in the chain wrestling okay, and the ring uh, progression. And he worked it starting out maybe 30 seconds, then a minute. So you could get up to like five minutes of chain wrestling. Then he finally let you get up on your feet and do a few uh, high spots and things like that. And leapfrogs and tackles and stuff, uh, wow. drop downs. But yeah, that was like a four month process. But Jeez. he was very thorough. He was, uh, he even... For the first time ever managed me, he was he was so good with me. He wanted to make sure because he, he felt like I, I really kind of rushed Lex out there. Yeah. But I think he's ready, but I want to be ringside for you in case you get lost, which I did. And to, <laughs> to help you along. So the first few, a couple months I was there, he actually went to all my matches and went ringside with me. You're the legendary hero Matsuda. Yeah. So wow. I, I am so thankful. I have so much gratitude yeah. towards that. Never wanted to charge me a dime or a penny to any of the guys, not just me. Yeah. He just loved wrestling. He loved the sport. He loved the fans. And he wanted to see guys he thought had a lot of ability thrive and carry on for like the next generation. What a what a guy. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about Hero. He's one of yeah. the few trainers that taught you the right way. I mean, Back then, even, you know, I'm talking to Hero, uh, Vern Gagne, Eddie Sharkey are the names that come to mind for trainers. So you're very fortunate. Yeah. And I mean, one of the one of the things, Brian, with Hero, this isn't an excuse for my limited repertoire in the ring that I'm accused of. But Matsuda drilled into me. He goes, look, he goes, drop kickers and high spot guys. Uh, you're, he goes, you're very athletic. 
But you have, he says, they're a dime a dozen. He goes, but you have a look, yeah. a powerful look and physique. He goes, I want you to work a certain way and do less is more with you. I want you to do uh, clotheslines and just more of a ground attack. Because I don't want to see you climbing up the ropes. Because I want you to be a fundamentally sound, mm-hmm. uh, snug worker who looks authentic. He goes, you're explosive. When you come mm-hmm. out, you go, I want when you hit a turnbuckle, I want you to move the whole ring if you can. I I want you to explode off the ropes and explode out of the corner of some of the turnbuckles and clothesline them. And he said, I want you to do less things uh, with with a lot of authenticity. He goes, that's going to be your ticket. Yeah. Even the way you sell, I want you to show your body. Um, that doesn't mean you don't sell, but right. He goes, but he, he goes. You tell I want you to learn to relax your body. Then you're not. I don't want you to be a robot. Too, too many muscle guys are robots in there. Because mm-hmm. I want you to learn that. Because you got a great body. So when you sell, I want you to really loosen up and sell. And that I struggled with that, like a lot of the mm-hmm. football players and guys do. Because you you're worried about how you look and you you tighten up and don't have that free-flowing kind of Barry Windham sell, right? Yeah, yeah. I ne- of course, I never got to that level, but Matsuda wanted me to always, he goes, he goes, I don't ever want you in your career. I always keep, They're going to ask you to, to do a lot of stuff. He goes, I want you to keep it more basic. He goes, that's going to be your money. Yeah. That always was kind of in the back of my mind. That's my excuse for never being a really advanced worker in the ring. <laughs> hey, I got to tell you, you, for your size and – you had a lot of athletic ability, and I know people say you're kind of, you know, stiff or whatever, but, you know, for your size and what you did in the ring, I mean, I was, you know, I grew up in the 80s watching, you know, when you came out, uh, I thought right, right. you were fantastic. You were one of the first ones with that physique and being able to do what you do because, like, like you said earlier, a lot of guys were stiff that are that big. And that muscular. So kudos to you, my friend. I want to talk a little bit about Florida. I did the best I could. I've never be, I'll never be regarded in the, as far as my in-ring work or Mike is one of the best ever. But I, I did maintain uh, Metzger's says, take care of your body. That's going to mm-hmm. be your, 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 your money ticket. And yeah. he was right. I mean, I had 15 years worked every top guy. It was never... And I, I, don't, I don't mind admitting it, one of the top workers. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect now, I, I think I maybe could have Honed in. I, I took some of that for granted because I got on top right away. There's mm-hmm. some things I think I could have worked harder at and been better at uh, that I had the ability to do, but kind of took for granted. Yeah. Uh, but uh, overall, I, I did always have that. Once again, the back of my mat series that don't try to do too much, you know. So <laughs> that always resonated for, to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you but know, he was, Matt, getting back to Matt Stewart, he was, but what a blessing to have him yeah. be the guy who broke me into training because boy he trained a lot of big stars he, he did he did scott hall he trained scott i mean yeah yeah he he, he is a well-known trainer no mm-hmm. doubt you know you got out you were in florida you got on top pretty quick like you said uh oh, yeah. i remember you in the magazines you were in florida you're the southern or florida champion for a while then you moved uh, well, the- yeah, I got a credit there. Bill After, yeah, and George Apoltano, and those photographers and the magazine guys. Man, even when I was in Florida, they would put me all over those magazines. Yeah, everybody's like, "Man, you're all over the." Yeah. Which, which back then, they, they those were big as far mm-hmm. as getting guys over and who they put on the covers of the mags and everything. Yeah. So I owe a lot of gratitude 
to Bill and George and them as well because they yeah. really they plastered me everywhere yeah, when I first started, which I, I didn't realize at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't know a lot about wrestling coming from football, but mm -hmm. that was that was big, Brian. Oh yeah, Lex, it was yeah, it was huge because I'll be honest. Uh, unless the magazines were out, I mean, we didn't get Florida. I'm from Wisconsin. Oh originally. my gosh! <laughs> yeah, Green Are you Bay. A Packer fan? I am, yeah. yeah. Oh man, I yeah. love Green Bay. Yeah, so uh, I didn't know about you until the magazines would come out and you were on there. I was like, who is this guy? You know, and then yeah. we started getting cable, and all of a sudden you were in uh, World Championship Wrestling in uh, in Atlanta, and you came on, and I want to know what that feeling was like for you when you went in and. How did they approach you with, okay, you're going to be a horseman? How did that come about? I didn't really understand. I knew it was big. Everybody went, that's big. You're going to be a horseman? I go, yeah, that's big. They go, I couldn't have told you what Arn or Tully or JJ looked like. I had wrestled Rick down in Florida, but I'd never watched the four horsemen. Mm -hmm. So when I went up there uh, for my first TV tape, that's the first time I believe that I actually met and knew what JJ and Tully and Arn looked like an Oli. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> wow. Yeah. But Rick went back after he wrestled me in Florida and gave me such, who I owe great, unbelievable gratitude as well in the business, um, along with Dusty, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, when uh, talking about so much with the Crockett's that they couldn't wait, they, man, they wanted, to, they couldn't wait to bring me in. And they, and Oli wanted to just be part time. So they said, why don't we, you know, we could give the horsemen a, bit of a different look with the muscle guys. The road warriors were big then. Yeah. The muscle type physique was just starting to come on to Hogan, of course. So like, man, let's give the horseman like a, a muscle guy. Yeah. That might be something good. And boy, I had no idea how big, yeah. how huge yeah. that was till I got there. Yeah. And they, man, the first time I went on TV, they go, what, what's your finish? And I go, well, I, I do like forearms and clotheslines. I go, well, Dusty and Flair, uh, more Dusty came up with uh, a backbreaker. Hey, hey, pick one of these guys up in a backbreaker. This is right before I went out for my first match on the 605 <laughs> TBS taping. And they go, because I wasn't a horseman yet. And they go, yeah. oh, they, and Dusty and Flair looked at oh, that looks good because it showed my body when I got a guy up on my shoulders. Yeah. And uh, I go, that's it. I went out and did the power slam torture rack, and the rest was history. But Dusty and Flair, Spent so much time. And Tully and Arm, we used to go to a, a barn outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, where I moved to, mm -hmm. and work with me on, on during the week on, on wrestling. Because yeah. they, they worked at such a high level. Mm -hmm. They didn't want me to be a total embarrassment out there with them. And uh, they, I mean, the, but to think about those guys have families and stuff to do when they're not working. Mm -hmm. Back then, we wrestled, you know, like, three or nights a year. They would get up in the morning and take me down wrestling and what the way wow. Flair and Dusty were doing, trying to learn how to talk on the microphone and, and give me a finish and that's the storylines and yeah, man, that I, what a, like you said, what a huge break to break in with the four horsemen have Flair and Dusty micromanaging my every move and interview. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. I was going to, well, you answered two of my so questions. Put on the map, right? Right. You, you answered my question about the torture rack, where that came from. So who come up with your yeah. uh, who came up with your name the total package? Who who started that one? Was that Dusty? Dusty. I knew it. <laughs> oh, he's so creative. He goes, 
goes, listen, I, I don't do the good best. He goes, I want you to, I want you to be the brains and the brawn. You're a, you went to college and I want you to, I want you to listen, baby. I want you to go out there and talk articulate and use big words. He goes, you use big words, use them big words. He said, he goes, he goes, I want you to gloat over the fans that you're smarter than everybody. You're better built and you're, you're this and that. He goes, he goes, I want you to be the, the whole package out there. And then Flair and him were joking around. Yeah, the total package. And there you go. So they came up with that and go, yeah, let's call him. The, let's see his nickname be the total package. That's like awesome. brains and brawn and smarts and you know all that kind of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. That Which is... I didn't mind, right? Yeah, right. I... Who wouldn't want to be called the total package? <laughs> so I didn't argue with him on that one, Brian. Uh, I bet you didn't, Lex. I bet no. you did not. So well, Matt Sud always told me to listen and don't 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 open your mouth unless you have to. So yeah, right. No, I I get it. You... Yeah. So you you escalated really quickly in Georgia. Oh man! You you went. You got became the U.S. champion just by uh, just by association, right? I mean, being a horseman. <laughs> then then Flair the world title. I had the U.S. title, which ended up being the longest to this day, the longest reigning yeah. U.S. champ. My first really. Well, I won the Southern title in Florida, right? But the U.S. title is my. I, I can tell you right now, I've I've had tag team world titles and Crockett mm-hmm. Cups and. Uh, but my all-time favorite title is sentimental favorite is the U.S. title. It's the only title I have at my house here. Oh, okay. Wow. That's the awesome. original Crockett and NW, NWA. I have a, a perfect replica made. Uh, Reggie Harps, my belt guy. You know Reggie, right? Yep. Yep. Yes. And I do. he he got me made an authentic, like perfect replica of the U.S. title. Now I got it sitting about. 30 feet from me at the house right now. He's like, wow. That's very special to me. When I go to oh, yeah. speaking engagements at schools with kids and, and, uh, and, uh, and when I go to corporate or churches when I speak, I mean, I, I take it with, they, they'd rather, they better get a picture with the belt than me. I mean, they, <laughs> the, 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 they love that, you know, everybody loves to get a picture holding the belt, right? Yeah, that's so, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, I had the U.S. belt tolling honor the world titles. I, uh, t- uh, tag team champions, right? So we had the world title, the tag team belts, the yeah. U.S. belt. We, we, we were the bad guys that we loved to hate. That's right. Yeah, it yeah. was it was great. I remember it so well. You know, uh, Lex, can we talk a little about when you won your first world title, uh, Great mm-hmm. American Bash against right. your against your good friend Barry Windham? There, what was that moment like for you when you got that title? Well, of course, it was a big moment. It was supposed to be with Flair, however. Mm. So it was also kind of nerve-wracking because we had to really last-minute Flair had gone on, which I never had people ask, well, do you, you think he ran out on your ran off title? No, I go, Rick did what business-wise, what Rick felt he had to do to take care of his family. That was the business end of wrestling. It wasn't personal against me. Rick and I always got along great. Yeah. I'm so thankful to Rick for all he's done in my career. I wasn't mad at Rick at all, but we had we didn't have a belt made, so yeah. we had we had a, a, a faceless kind of belt. They said, "Don't hold it up to, to hard cameras." So it was kind of nerve wracking. And they brought in all the belts that they brought in Harley Race, one of the greatest ever mm-hmm. in Baltimore at the yeah. Bash there, because uh, uh, to make up for it, they gave me a, a bodyguard with Mister Hughes, and man, they gave <laughs> me all the bells and whistles, and. Uh, and they had me turn heel on Barry with the pile dri- with Harley's pile driver. Uh, so we did the very best we could could with it, uh, as far as the adversity of Flair not being there, mm-hmm. and we made the best of it. 
but it was it was still a very special moment obviously yeah to win my first world title it was a picture of me with it in the back that uh, either george or bill after took and i i love that picture i was covered in sweat with yeah. my yellow tights on it's one of my favorite photos that i that i've ever seen out of, like out of the wrestling magazine so yeah very special your first world title oh, for yeah. Sure. yeah i can imagine uh Later on, a little bit later, you went to the WWF, right? Mm-hmm. And you were the known at first as the narcissist. The bodybuilder first, yeah, for a year. Yeah, you were that. Then I you had to the... non-compete, Brian. So I had, to, I had to sign my first year there as a bodybuilder because I couldn't. WCW ended up suing me over that, but uh, I digress. But I settled out of court. Yeah. <laughs> I did a one-year bodybuilding contract. I uh, had the motorcycle wreck and couldn't do the contest. But then, gosh. By a miracle, God, I was near fatal motorcycle. I think, but eight months later, I made my debut at the at the with uh, Bobby Heenan. Yeah, well, yeah. I think it was a Royal Rumble out in Sacramento. Wow. So yeah, that was that was quite the quite the transition. I, I was ready. I, uh, WCW was uh, what were was in kind of disarray at the time mm-hmm. with the, with the talent and the guys. And, and I'm not saying anything, but most guys wouldn't agree with at the time right and um they didn't have a clear direction and they were in transition so uh i thought that was if i was ever going to go to wwf and and uh try to make it as a top guy there that this was my chance yeah so there i went as as a narcissist now originally i kind of wanted to stay the total package like luger but vince likes to trademark yeah he does (laughs) originally he wanted to call me just the narcissist Okay, and I was like, man, I don't, that, I don't like the sound of that. So we compromised and said uh, the narcissist Lex Luger. So Vince kind of actually met me halfway on that. Yeah. So I go, well, Vince, don't you think the fans kind of? I'm not like a brand new guy. The fans kind of really know me as Lex Luger, total package. So if you're going to call me the narcissist, which wasn't a stretch for my character, because when I was a heel, I can be pretty arrogant, right? I was told I was also pretty arrogant in real life back then. So I go, so I don't think the fans would not buy into me being called the nar- narcissist, but if you just obliterate Lex Luger, I, some of the fans, there is a crossover from WCW to WWF. So Vince bought into that. He was flexible. So that's how I was. The narcissist Lex Luger was born. Okay. I loved doing that. I wish I could have done the narcissist for a year or two, but yeah. Vince thought that. Hogan was was not coming back, and Brett had talked about retirement. Oh wow! So he's okay. like, "I need a baby face. I need a baby face." So there you go, slam her around the world, Yokozuna, and less on the bus. Yeah, I want to talk about that. That the was bus. A dramatic. That was a dramatic. That was dramatic. I go. I was. He brought me in the office, Vincent. And he was like, "I'm gonna I have you slam Yokozuna." I go. Yeah, but I'm the narcissist. He goes, "We're gonna put you in red, white, and blue, and you're gonna slam them, and you're gonna get on a bus, and it's gonna work." I was like, "Yes, sir." But I was. <laughs> I had my doubts, you know. I'm like, oh, man, that's awful quick. But yeah. you know, when Vince makes up his mind, that's it. Vince has made up his mind. He's the boss. So there we go. Yeah. So Lex Luger, made in USA, was born in the Lex Express. Let's say so. You know, you got a little push there, but why don't? Why well, I got a big push. Well, you got a big push, but I mean, you never. You had a title, though. I mean, I'm wondering why that didn't occur. Is that? I mean, because, you know, I watched you back then, Lex. You were so good. You had every, all the tools. You had all the, the, the look, everything. And it just seemed like, I don't know, it just, you, I thought you should have had that 
a title, the intercontinental title, the world title, something. And it just, for some reason, I just want to know, maybe you have a viewpoint on why you didn't ever have that opportunity. Yeah. Number one, people ask me, oh, did he promise you and change his mind? No, I go, Vince never promised me the title. The only thing uh, Vince, who I, him and I personally used to train at the gym together and okay. we were very close personally. So mm-hmm. Vince wanted, if I did get the world title rather than Detroit at SummerSlam, he wanted to milk it. And he thought, because whenever I went to the garden, Madison Square Garden, Vince always stood the curtain. I go, why does Vince always stand the curtain there? He goes, he goes, the garden's the measuring stick. It's the barometer. I go, what do you mean? Go, Vince's dad always stood there and gauged the crowd when guys would come out. New guys or whatever, see how the crowd responded. Was there a buzz in the air? That was the benchmark. Okay. How did the garden re- respond to you when you came out to the ring? And uh, so Vince, that would that held true. Vince said, if, if, you, if I put the world title, I want to be special. And if we do, I'd rather wait till WrestleMania 10, which was a big one, yeah. in the garden. Okay. Now, things happened uh, between, by the time Yoko and Taker had a great angle together, and uh, Brett decided he still wanted to wrestle. Brett was a great champion. He's a, a wrestler's wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, my angle I did with Borga, he was a new worker, and we didn't click real good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't a, like a real war going on back then, so the uh, instead of going back to being Lex Luger, number one, when you get built up that big, for some of some some of the experts, and I'm not an expert on psychology of wrestling fans who are the greatest, thought Lex, they should have put the belt on you at SummerSlam, let the balloons out of the ceiling, and then even if it was a uh, the Monday Night Raw, mm-hmm. uh, two night uh, a night or two later, had Yoko, obviously. Uh, somehow steal the belt back off you, and then then do the angle and have rematch your rematch maybe at WrestleMania 10. Let him run with Taker. Okay. So a lot of people felt that it kind of let the air out of the tires of the Lex Luger main USA character, and they left me that character. I always thought I haven't really talked about this, but I thought I was going to do Lex Luger Lex Express thing uh, made in USA through SummerSlam and go back to being Lex Luger the Total Package. Yes, yeah, and. When that didn't happen, I I kind of had that lingering, let's not call it scent of not coming through in the big summer slam. Yeah. I'll say scent instead of any other words. I kind of had that smell about me. <laughs> yeah. And because the fans love you and they wanted you to win, when you disappoint yeah. them like that, a lot of them say that could have been the kiss of death in your career. To get yeah. that big a buildup and not come through, that might have, a lot of guys wouldn't sort of have survived that. Yeah. Because the fans get so into it, and you, it was such a big disappointment. So, but obviously my career endured, and I yeah. ended up, you know, back at WCW, and uh, remained as a, as one of the top guys. Got to wrestle all the other top guys. So I survived SummerSlam. Yeah. But I look at it back finally. It was a great uh, promotion. The bus thing was tiring and exhausting, but uh, it, it, but it was good at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, obviously, like on the '80s special, they showed a lot of excerpts that they kind of edited and made it look like I hated it. But really, there was a good response. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I got exhausted sometimes and tired. I could be moody back then. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but they kind of highlighted that on A and E, which I loved. They did a great job in the A and E special. Yeah. They really did. I, lo- I had such a wonderful response from fans. 
and and everybody, even the other boys about that ain't he special. They like like uh, Bully Ray from Sirius Angling goes. He tweeted it afterwards, and, and he said, "Will you please come on our program the next morning after it shows on Sunday nights?" So yeah. he just Bully Ray tweeted, "Wow, oh wow!" Because people didn't know my personal life, tumultuous with drugs and alcohol, and then the spinal cord injury. Uh, one of those things like things were gonna go good, and then a spinal cord injury paralyzed from neck down. He was just like, "Oh wow, I didn't know all that, Lex." And yeah. uh, we had we had a lot of fun in the interview the next day. But the fan, the response from that special that showed my progression through all that and where where I'm at now in my life, yeah. by the grace of God, is just uh, I got an unbelievable response from almost everybody. But with that A and E, they did a really yeah. good job. They, they did. They did a fantastic job with mm -hmm. that. In my opinion. Yeah. No. Exactly. No. I agree. Uh, when you went back to WCW, that great entrance in Mall of America. Oh man! And and the the pop that happened that night. Uh, how was that for you coming back to basically your stomping grounds, where you basically got your big start, and coming back? What was that like mm -hmm. for you, my friend? I was nervous. And I mean, they hid me. None of the boys knew I was coming in other than Sting. And I think they told Hogan uh, and Eric because uh, the internet was just starting to yeah. hit back then. They did, they wanted to be a total surprise. So um, I was nervous and what the reaction might be. But man, the crowd had a great response. And even a lot of the guys in the ring even didn't know I was going to be out there. So, and around the ring, the announcers, so they were, it was genuine. It was authentic. Yeah. Because a lot of the guys didn't know. Yeah. I, they brought me out from the other side of the mall to the, to the position to go out. And was like, what's he doing here? I just worked house shows and TVs for New York that, that weekend. There wow. I am Monday night at the Mall of America. What, what's, what's Luger doing here? Yeah. So the crowd loved it. Uh, it really launched me into the, uh, to be a, the, just the honor to be a part of that whole Monday Night War thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, wow. I mean, what a way to launch it. And it yeah. got a great response. It, it, oh, yeah. it felt really good, Brian. Yeah, I bet. It, it really felt really, really good. One of the high spots in my career, for yeah. sure. I got to tell you, I was, when you walked out, I'll never forget it. I was watching it. And I was like, I just saw him on TV the other night in WWF. What's he doing there? They had to pull me out of some of their other shows because they had me in the shows that they had pre-taped. They had to pull me out of them. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. But but it worked. I mean, you got you know you Man. had a, you had a good run. And then when you guys when you guys were battling, excuse me, the NWO for a while, and then you joined uh, Wolfpack. Right. What was that was huge? Wow. Yeah, that was huge. Talk to us a little about how that run was for you. I mean, you. I mean, there was a big war back then. I mean, my my biggest people ask me my biggest uh, good guy uh, babyface run. Um, there's two. Um, I'd have to rank the Lex Express thing third. Uh, okay. And second place was my initial run when I, I uh, left the Horsemen. Okay. That was a big babyface run with Flair. We sold yeah. out everywhere. Yeah. And I was. I was red hot as a baby face. Yeah, you were. Yes, you That's were. That's when I was really muscled up. Before I went to Vince, they did all the drug testing, and the fans were like, whoa, this guy, 
They, I had a good run there with Nate. We, yeah. we sold out like everyone had head to head with WWF at the time. And we we're both in Philly. We outdrew them. I mean, we yeah. sold out everywhere. Rick and I, the fans were hot. Uh, <laughs> for that run for me as a babyface, but really, the slow buildup of the Monday Night Wars with me as with Sting coming out of the rafters. Yeah. But me being kind of me and maybe DDP kind of being and and uh at the time uh Big Show the Giant as the kind of the main faces. But man, I was like the guy got left laying every night. <laughs> and it ended up being the fans really started like rooting for me. Yeah. That's the first time I got that real baby face sympathy uh behind me from the fans. They wanted to see somebody put a whooping or get something on the NWO. It was heat, 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 yeah. heat. They're throwing stuff through. I used to be in the ring at the end of the tapings on <clears throat> at the end of the shows on Monday Night Raw, uh, not Raw, Nitro. And the fans were so mad that we all got laid out at the end of the show. <laughs> they would throw anything and everything into the ring. Now, NWO bail, I'd be covered in nachos and tobacco spit. <laughs> I mean, they do everything in there. Yeah. Banana peels. I used to have to go back. If they want to try to leave the crowd happy. I used to go back and have to try to clean up and come back out and wrestle a dark match for the crowd. Ah, okay. And get them win. But I was so covered in junk that I started just going to the back and showering with all my boots and tights on and coming back out for the crowd, soaking wet from the shower, my boots uh, squishing to wrestle because I couldn't get all the stuff off me. So, but uh, I mean, that was, and that's bringing back around to your question, Ryan, that yeah. was maybe, if you see the response when I wrestled Hogan for that surprise title switch on Nitro in Detroit, by the way, which is why I wrestled SummerSlam, ironically, and didn't win. <laughs> that Detroit crowd came on, when they realized that it was a title switch, they didn't expect it all. Uh -huh. And man, you watch the crowd in the background, they came unglued. They did, yeah. I mean, that was probably the biggest response I ever had on a finish uh, as a babyface. So I, I was pretty hot as a babyface. Uh, that was probably my best babyface run there up until then. Yeah. It didn't matter they took a title off me a week later at, uh, at the pay-per-view. Yeah. I mean, that was a... I had a good uh, babyface run on the awards. And then transitioning to the Wolfpack, reunited with Sting. Mm -hmm. And we've always, both in our personal lives to this day as we speak, a special, special yeah. friendship. And people, I think, since that when we were on camera together and yeah. whether against each other or with each other we people always associated when him and i do appearances together now once in a while the, the fan response is huge they people really like us together yeah and um kind of like peanut butter and jelly <laughs> yeah and, uh, yeah so i mean for lack of a better thing popping in my head right now so um yeah that was that was the wolf pack with sting and i being there and then nash and uh, obviously, it was such a big part of the bill. Him going good guy, basically, uh, would end up with the wolf pack. And then Conan gave it that uh, Arasa kind of coolness. Yeah. yeah. That cool factor. It, that was a special uh, group. Yeah. Uh, the, it ended up being the four of us mainly, Sting and Ed Motts and some other guys there for a while. But really, the four that when we'd come out 
probably my biggest, not a road warrior pop. Mm. <laughs> they have, but when we came out as the Wolfpack, yeah. other than the road warrior pop, that was the biggest response I I probably heard when we came out as a group uh, back then. Yeah, we almost could have maybe got a little more out of that, but that that was huge. The Wolfpack was a huge babyface uh, grouping. Oh, it was. It was very huge. Matter of fact, Ron, I just had action figures come out of Target, and I'm not promoting it, but uh, with a NWA Wolfpack uh, shirt, the black, uh, the red and the black. Yes. And man, I can't stop signing those when I do appearances for yeah. WWE or or if I go, they send you out for fan interact. I'm part of the WWE ambassador program. They oh, send okay, you out great. The, Comic- the Comic Cons. Yeah. Fun fan interact. Boy, they they come up nonstop with those. Action those that they, they love those Wolfpack action yeah, figures. I bet they, they do. They get them signed. Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. That, that was a meaning. That was a hot faction. Yeah, back and when was that? Ninety eight, maybe. Ninety eight. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It was. It yeah. Was, you're you're bringing it towards the end. Yeah. 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 So you later on went into TNA for a little while. And that was kind of a sting call and. Was testing the water. Was just kind of my, my life, and maybe started to come back together, which it hadn't. But okay. yeah. Okay, so that was just kind of a blurp in the screen, I guess. It was. I was never uh, negotiating with them or whatever. Okay. Had it. my life was such a train wreck in the my personal life by then. Yeah. I wasn't in the gym like I normally was. I wasn't focused on having any kind of rest. I was in a life and death struggle with with uh, all my bad choices at that point. Sting was trying to. Yeah. Maybe maybe help pull me out of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. He'd know better, but I, I they never talked about like bringing me in and okay. like to reignite my career at that point with with TNN. Some of my injuries had, had caught up to me by that point too. Yeah. My I had bad right hip that was really hurting me. So okay, yeah, that was that was never meant to be like a career igniter. Okay. I always thought I could just reignite my career, but yeah, I, I was I was in a bad way back then. For yeah. Sure. Well, I just remember seeing you in the uh, one of the TNA events, a DVD called The Asylum Years. You were in a few of those uh, matches and stuff. So I just yeah, a couple, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't a very long stint, but a couple more questions. One is, what is one? Of I your mean, f- Brian, for all intents and purposes, my full time wrestling career and my career is basically eighty six to one. I mean, yeah. that was okay. That fifteen years, I did a couple little things. Yeah, at TNA, a couple of independent things, but really, my my career was over when WCW. Yeah. Uh, I never declared a retirement, but when WCW bought out, uh, I mean WWE, WWF bought out WCW. Yeah, WWs, right. I get them confused sometimes. Yeah, but when they when we got when we merged and got bought out, um, I had two years, two and a half years left on my contract, Goldberg and I. Mm-hmm. And I had way too much time, way too much money in my hand. I went down a total path away, so far away from wrestling mm-hmm. into a life and death struggle that really, my, that was the end of my actual like active wrestling career. Because after that, when my life came back together in a good way, mm-hmm. probably a powerful way, I, I had the spinal cord injury shortly after that, which obviously my career was definitely over then. So right. yeah, 01 was really the end of my career, okay. at least from my perspective. Okay. In the ring. Right. I want to talk about your book a little bit, Wrestling with the Devil. Okay. Yeah. Tell, tell us how, what inspired you, I guess, to write that book? You know, everybody brings out a book, and I always kind of said, I'm not going to do a book. Everybody's always, 
they do interviews and they're plugging a book on on TV. And so I go, plus I go, I I was good at math, but I I couldn't write I couldn't write a, a, a an English class a good paragraph. Well, I could never write a book. Yeah. Well, I just <laughs> so I, it wasn't on my my radar at all. I actually went to a company, a publishing company, to do a speaking engagement to share my story mm-hmm. of where I was, my wrestling career, the bad, the bad times, now the good times. With uh, and that uh, they, 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 they were they're a big company called Tyndale out of Chicago. They did Tony yeah. Dungy's books and football coach, a lot of athletes, mm-hmm. and uh, they're a, a, a fundamentally they do all kinds of but but a Christian. Basically, they wanted to bring me as a speaker to share my my story. My mm-hmm. in the Christian lingo, we call it a testimony. And yeah. uh, so they brought me in for my testimony. And a few months later, they called me out of Bloomfield. Hey, we uh, we love your your speaking engagement had such an impact on our staff. They had a big manufacturing plant that did all their books there. So they had like a thousand people that worked for them at my when I told my story there. Okay. And uh, they called me back three months later. Go, we're, we want to, uh, we want to do your story. I was wow. like, oh wow, I never thought I'd do a book. I go, I, I can't write. I <laughs> go, don't worry about that. We we hire a writer. They come, they sit with you. They spend a couple weeks with you. You tell your story in tape recorder. They write it down. Then we go over everything with you and make sure it's in what kind of words you would use. That yeah. gets post editing. With, yeah. with a publisher and then you'll have your book don't worry about it. we'll walk you through it so they did they did a great job i'm, wow. I'm telling my story really did that's great so, yeah i never thought i'd do a book but there he is uh you know wrestling with the devil the rain ruin redemption they did, they did a good job of telling my story they go all the way through my childhood kind of like getting and eat it all the way through but in more detail than the any special yeah. they did a really good job on it because books I, usually took, do. I, I certainly couldn't wrote a book that's for sure Books usually tell the story better. Uh, one more question. I know you work a lot with Nikita Koloff, staying these guys. What are you guys up to now? You got some events coming up. I know some things going on with you. Well, I always do things with Stinger. We do events together and signings and hang out together. And we're such, such a great friendship. I'm so thankful for him. Nikita yeah. as well. He was a, a great mentor of mine when, when I got saved back in April 23rd of 06, he, he discipled me and taught me how to did Bible studies with me and taught me how to pray. And I was yeah. totally unchurched. I didn't know anything about anything about about the Bible or how to pray or anything. So mm-hmm. Sting and uh, Nikita and God put so many great mentors in my life. But Nikita is a, a big mentor for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up putting together these man camps we do mm-hmm. in the spring and fall. Where guys come and get away from everything for 25 guys fall 25 guys in in the spring and uh yeah. we love doing that we do we will so a lot of times we'll uh uh do some uh speak at some churches together or at some corporate functions together and uh yeah these those guys are special and uh, i i really enjoy doing it. i do i do some schools okay. uh it's not all faith-based i do i'm in i found that i'm a I'm not looking just out for myself. I'm an encourager. Yeah, I like to encourage others. So I go in to speak with kids at schools and bring the belt in. They all love it. <laughs> they show them your wrestling. You give them a give them a, a upbeat talk and and uh, I go to corporate things and they always want me to kind of talk about adversity and how, how I overcame being a like a world class athlete to dealing with a 
sp- uh, a permanent spinal cord injury, mm-hmm. and they want me to tell me how, how adversity has helped me in my life. So I, a lot of corporations like me to come in and talk to their staff about that, of handling mm-hmm. adversity in a positive way. Yeah. And then, of course, I, I do the faith-based stuff as well. We're, yeah. we're commanded to share the gospel, Brian. So yeah. I love every opportunity when a door opens for that as well, to speak at a church or a function on that, tell my story, so um, and share the good news. So yeah. that's kind of... What I do these days, I, I still That's work great. for WWE. I'm an ambassador now. I'm into my second five-year deal, and they've been wonderful. Great. And they we do a lot of a lot of the bios for the guys. Up, they bring you in and interview you, or they come to you, and uh, they do merchandise. They put us in the 2K games, and yeah, uh, yeah. just that, that's a lot of fun. I I love still. I'm very thankful. I still work with WWE, and they have me on on board so uh yeah life is good brian i'm very very thankful well we're very thankful for having you on and i appreciate i know uh your time is precious and again ladies and gentlemen mr lex luger sir thank you for coming on today i really appreciate it go out and buy his book it's a wonderful story of overcoming a lot of adversity and how he's changed his life for the better, folks. And I'll have that information down in the description. So, ladies and gentlemen, one more time, Mr. Lex Luger, thank you, sir, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Brian, thank you for having me on. It's, it is thumps and bumps, right? Bumps, is and, bumps thumps. and thumps. Or thumps? bumps and thumps. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. You did uh, a great interview. And thank I, you. I appreciate you. Thank Th- you. Thank you very much. And, folks, if you're listening, All thank right. you. If you're watching, thank you. And if you do, please subscribe. We'll talk to you soon.